Welcome to Loop Me In, the podcast community for parents and carers on raising children with disabilities. Join presenters Dr. Lisa Interligi and Christine Christopoulos and their guests on sharing experiences, information, and support ideas to help children with disabilities flourish. Loop Me In is brought to you weekly on platforms like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher, to name a few. You can learn more, connect with the Loop Me In community, and listen to more episodes on our website, loop-me-in.com.au. Brayden, Jason, it's so great to have you on our next podcast. Uh, You're an Australian Paralympic swimmer, 23, just came back from Tokyo um, at the Paralympics, and you were also at the Rio Olympics in 2016. Welcome to our show. No, thank you very much for having me. Really excited. Now, you're 23, you're living on the coast, so I can imagine how beautiful it is there today. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, Look, looking out my window, it's it's a pretty cloudy day, but it's still very warm. But last week we've had some beautiful weather up here, so it's been nice hitting the beach after getting out of hotel quarantine. I've finally gotten my tan back. But yeah, so I'm Braden Jason. I'm two-time Paralympian, which I'm very very proud to say. I think my goal going into the sport was to call myself a dual Paralympian. So I thought it sounded pretty cool. I thought three times sounds a bit try hard, so dual <laughs> sounds pretty good for the moment. Certainly so, does. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. I'll take it. But I've been on the Australian swim team since 2015, competed at multiple world championships and obviously two Paralympic Games. So anytime wearing the green and gold, it's an absolute honour. I love doing what I do. And I can imagine the Tokyo Games were difficult because you had sort of thinking you were going in 2020 and then you obviously had the delay going then going into 21. Yeah, it was, it was pretty topsy-turvy, I think. Once we got the news last year that the games were postponed, we weren't sure if they were going to go ahead. It was it was really hard, especially with lockdown, alongside everybody else in lockdown as well. It was really difficult. We didn't know what we were preparing for, what kind of the future held for us. And I think even in our staging camp up in Cairns before we flew into Tokyo, we were all kind of like holding our breath, being like, okay, until we land in Tokyo, we're not sure if the games are going ahead. But obviously they went ahead, had a lot of steps in place to make sure we are safe, but it was really, really good and an awesome experience to look back on in future years. Were there, what were the um, testing regimes like, Braden? Were they really tough? Yeah, so we had to do a temperature and a saliva test every single day and then intersperse every couple of days with to do the old nose swab. So I'm pretty immune to the old the brain swab. I'm pretty good at them now. By the end of hotel quarantine, I could talk to the nurses whilst I had to swab, swab up my nose. So I'm pretty used to the old COVID test by now. Gosh, they are pretty uh, horrendous, aren't they, though? Mm. Yeah, they really get those real deep brain itches, though, that I never thought I had. So <laughs> a difficult job. So I was diagnosed pretty late with cone rod dystrophy. It affects my visual acuity. So I essentially have around 8% vision. So it affects my visual acuity. So pretty much to, for the average Joe who has 20-20 vision, my eyesight's very blurry. It has lots of nice little pretty sparkles. So for me, I don't know what full sight looks like, but... I seem to deal with it really well, but I was diagnosed quite late. I was in, so it's kindergarten in Sydney, I think Melbourne as well, but it's prep up here in sunny Queensland. So you have to do eye tests and my parents always just thought I was a little bit of a space cadet. Not sure if I was just on another planet running into poles and whatnot. Hmm. But when I did my first eye test in kindergarten, I obviously couldn't see the chart. And then that's when they go, okay, maybe we should get Braden tested. And then a couple of years later, I was diagnosed with my condition. 
which was really good because then my younger brother, who's four years younger than me, got diagnosed nice and early. So we got onto him nice and early, which has been really good for his progression with the disease. Do you've got four boys in your family? Yes, four brothers. So I'm the I'm the second oldest, and Nathan, who also has coronary dystrophy, is the third. So the eldest and the youngest are the ones that rough us around, but we give them a good run for the money. The middle two blind boys. Yeah, look, I hope you give them. I hope you give them curry. It doesn't seem oh, really plenty, fair. Plenty. Did, did they treat you any differently when you were growing up? No, I think that's that's the beauty of the Jason family. We're extremely competitive. And I don't think I think that kind of has led me in good stead throughout my life to never let my vision hold me back. And I think my brothers are a testament to that. And also my parents, they let me well, I'd say let me go out and six foot surf, not even knowing I was blind at the time. I'd go out, paddle at the back and catch the big waves, which they thought I was just brave, but I probably just couldn't see how big the wave was until I was on it. <laughs> yeah. Or under it. Playing footy in the back in the backyard, cricket in the backyard. And no, it was the vision never came an issue. If there was an issue, we'd find a way around it. And that's, we love that about our family. Yeah, I saw that you started your, um, your maybe your love for swimming and uh, surf lifesaving. So that was, um, as you said, it's pretty brave going out into waves in, in Queensland and when you've got low vision. Yeah, that's it. Well, I grew up in Cronulla. So I, we moved to Queensland in 2008. So I was living in Sydney for first 10 years of my life, which kind of started my surf life-saving career, going out in ridiculous surf, but I absolutely loved it. But obviously as the vision deteriorated, I tended to go to more safe waters following the black line, which is my best mate. Yeah, it's something that we like to talk a little bit about. We have been with previous guests and it certainly is a concern um, that I've had with my son who has um, autism and um, an intellectual disability is um, putting caps on our kids like you as a as a parent you kind of um, you know try and protect um, them when they're growing up Uh, all kids actually but um, particularly those who've got additional needs and um, and I I have this fear that it kind of limits their um, their capability or their um, their opportunities Um, but it sounds like your mum and dad really had it down pat yeah I think they were in a sense quite lucky that we have two boys that is the one in a billion genetic chance that it was that two of us ended up with the disease so I was kind of the I wouldn't call it a test run but we kind of found my feet with me which then really set Nathan up really well but I think the way my parents kind of dealt with it was finding things that I was really good at and just focusing on those things not focusing on things that I couldn't do like bird watching so we wouldn't go bird watching but if I really wanted to go for a surf they'd take me for a surf the surf was too big and they knew I couldn't say that it was big they go oh maybe we'll just go for a body surf today Brayden so focusing on the things that I was really good at my brother's really good at and my eldest and well, youngest brother he's 10 years or eight years younger than me so he was a little bit younger when I was growing up well probably not even born yet but so we kind of focused on the things I was really good at and my eldest brother Jordan was very very supportive and he always looks after us. Mm, that's that's amazing and your parents sound like they knew what they were doing too and just encouraged you along the way yeah they definitely had to learn very fast because as I said before they thought I was just a little bit of a space cadet so one game I kind of tell when I do similar things to this is my mum used to be a flight attendant back in the day so she get me and my oldest brother Jordan and we'd look up the planes and they'd be like oh okay Jordan and Braden what brand of plane is that is that mummy's plane and I was like what plane like oh Braden head in the clouds 
So I think it was a bit of a learning curve for them once they learned that I did have this disability and they go, okay, how are we going to deal with this? I think once they came to terms with the fact that, hey, we didn't know Braden had this for eight years to nine years of his life, look, it hasn't changed and just having a diagnosis doesn't change who I am and what I am good at. So I think that they really focused on that, which is a testament to their parenting. Mm. And what was it like at school, Braden? Yeah, school's hard for any kid, but especially a kid with a disability. So um, I was, this is one my partner definitely, definitely laughs at. So I was, I was a tubby kid. I, I did love my food. Probably couldn't see how big the portions were. So I would just eat and eat. And I also had to wear an eye patch, which is one part of my therapy early on. They thought it might help even my eyes. And I also had a black tooth at the time. So I fell down the stairs of the kids when my baby teeth came out at the front. I had two black teeth. So you could see that the kids would call me pirate. And I think I was like, oh, that sucks. And as a kid, but I think the way I dealt with that was through my humor. And I think I've kind of always got grown with that. And I, I think every kid goes with bullying. And the way I fought that bullying was through my humor. My nickname's The Bat. I have a bat tattoo on me. So I was named The Bat throughout high school by one of my coaches. They called me Bat because I'm as blind as a bat. And I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> that wasn't through bullying. He just thought, he just knew I was a funny kid. He said, oh, your name's Bat. That's been my name on the Australian Zoom team for the last eight years. And I love it. I think my humor is the way that I deal with people like that. And even the other day I had a kid, I did a, a school talk with a kid through the University of the Sunshine Coast. And he didn't quite get to the grips of that I had no vision. And we're playing volleyball. And then I missed one of the shots. He's like, oh, you didn't see that one coming. I'm like, oh, well, I've hit more shots than you, mate. So I don't know what you're talking about. And you've got full vision. And that's when they go, oh, damn. And all the other kids laugh. And I think that's kind of how I deal. Even though it was a kid and he did a silly mistake. But I think going with humour is the way that I kind of dealt through my schooling with those kind of bullying. But in terms of education-wise, I did all of my my education on my iPad. So I would have lots of tools that I used, which we can discuss later if you're interested. But the iPad was what I used throughout my schooling. So text to talk, taking pictures of the whiteboard with math equations on it. So a bit of an iPad whiz that came from someone who's currently using a Surface Pro. <laughs> yeah, I think that's fantastic, isn't it? I think technology is really going to um, break down barriers for people with disabilities uh, like, you know, never before. Even just like I'm thinking driverless cars, you know, not not being able to drive but being able to get places or, um, you know, for um, people who don't have literacy skills like uh, my son Louis that, you know, he doesn't really need them if he can have um, if he can have voice to text and and um, and those sorts of technologies. Yeah, that's it. There's, and there's so many technologies out there. I I lived with a, a fellow with autism. So he was in the Australian swim team for many many years. Recently retired, and he like he's a he's a very good looking rooster. He's a he's a good looking dude. And he <laughs> likes getting on Tinder, but he really he really struggled with talking. So we do a lot of text to talk and we would discuss ways he could talk to girls so lots of technologies he used to get him to get girls because I was something he was really interested in and I think that text to talk was something that was really useful for him in those those long long nights sitting on the couch and he wanted to impress this girl and he'd do text to talk and delete it and go again but it was it was really good I think that really helped him yeah I think there's uh hopefully um companies will invest uh, more in those technologies to help people with disabilities yeah definitely it's really helpful and Brayden how did you get into swimming like who encouraged you to get into the swimming 
Uh, well, I, I started doing surf lifesaving and growing up in Cronulla in the Southern Shire. Like, obviously, there's there's water right there, only five minutes away from my house on Cunningham Road. So I just loved going down to the beach and doing surf lifesaving. But as my vision deteriorated, I tended to go back into the pool swimming because pool swimming was something you obviously had to do to train for surf lifesaving, being in a water sport. And I think I kind of threw, I was really good at surf lifesaving. But as I got a little bit older, I was I had to was a little bit torn between the two sports and decided to go for the for the pool swimming route, which was probably a good call because I'm definitely not as visually accurate when it comes to waves as I learned over the weekend surfing some big waves over at Stradbroke Island. So that's that's kind of how I got into swimming. So my parents never really pushed me. They were they were really supportive of what sport I wanted to do. I also played soccer, which was quite humorous for them. And I, I love playing all, all ball sports. I think if I had full vision, I'd probably be a cricketer as much as they'd be pretty bored watching that. But <laughs> it was obviously the way that I went. And I've been, I've been really successful with it and I've loved the journey that I've been through so far. How important is sport, do you think, for people with disabilities? I think sport's great for, for me and people that are interested in it. But I, I honestly think just anyone with a disability find the one thing that you really, really love. And I think that's what brings happiness. Sport is great. It's inclusive. It's like, I think from London, the London Paralympic Games to the Rio Games, the Tokyo Games, I think the Paralympic movement is just steamrolling down a fast hill at the moment. And it's awesome. It's great to see, I think, come 2032 and the next Australian Olympics, I think the Paralympic sport is going to absolutely boom. And I think it's it saves people's lives as as funny and, and as generic as that sounds but it genuinely saves lives but just I think finding that one thing that they love doing and they can get a career out of it and I've been lucky that I love swimming and I've made a career out of it and I also love journalism I did my journalism degree finished it last year and I love doing that and that's something that I had to adapt to and find ways to do to pursue the thing that I love doing so I think that's that's the one thing for me is following the thing you love because that's what brings you the most happiness at the end of the day. Yeah, absolutely. I and journalism as well. Well, you're a busy guy. Yeah, I'm. A, I'm a little bit busy, so I got through my degree in four years, which I'm quite proud of. Technically full time, but it was three subjects, not four. But yeah, so I'm. I'm based in the radio field field of journalism, so alongside you guys. But so I'm currently in between jobs, trying to find a casual part time job while swimming, which is quite difficult, but. Fingers crossed I can get behind the mic because I just I love it. I couldn't think of anything better than waking up and my job is talking smack and listening to music for a living. It sounds absolutely sensational. <laughs> that sounds great too. Um, and I love your Dylan Thomas quote. Tell us about that. Yeah, well, I'm glad you, you found that one. Yeah, that's um I got that tattooed on my ribs. I was doing a a subject at uni and I'd never heard this poem, and it's a Philanel by Dylan to- Thomas. And, it got, and the title is Do Not Go Gentle Into That Good Night. And basically the poem is Dylan writing to his dad who was going blind. So the main, the main lines that keep coming back in the, in the quote are, do not go gentle into that good night, rage, rage against the dying of the light. And so pretty much the crux of that is, like, do not go gentle into death and fight against being blind. And I think that just sums me up. As soon as I heard that, I'm like, wow, that's, that's me. I'd don't want my sight to hold me back and ruin my life. I just want to fight against it, find any way to live my life to the optimal and not let my vision hold me back. So I think as soon as I heard that that line, I just fell in love with it. So 
now it's on my ribs for the rest of my life. Does it help having a brother in the same um, position as you that you can support each other? I think it's definitely helpful. I think especially Nathan definitely struggles a little bit more with the vision, especially growing up. He's he's very, very good now. He works with the Alexander Headland Surf Club, love the black and gold. That's my surf club. So he works down there. But I think growing up, it was, it was really handy for him having someone to look up to and teach him technologies and ways to help him through school, making friends, doing sport. He's also a swimmer as well. So I think whether I influence him to do that or he's found that love for it as well and that means to translate his athletic ability that he has, but obviously limited vision, so we can translate that into the pool. And he's also quite successful. He's not quite yet cracked the Australian team, but he's made a lot of Australian development teams and fingers crossed he can make com games this year. He's he's sitting fourth, they're top three, so fingers crossed he can get on there. But I think it's been really helpful just to brainstorm, bounce things off each other. And just even if it's just non-verbal, just like he actually got me onto the the voice to text. I use I use Siri a lot, but he does the whole text mum. What do you want to say? What are we having for dinner? Question mark. You ready to send? Send. And I'm like, oh, that was actually really smart. And now I do it all the time just because A, I'm lazy, but B, it's useful. So I'm gonna I'm gonna use that useful tools all the time. So it has been really good because two heads are better than one at the end of the day. Can you tell yeah. us some of those technologies that you just referred yeah. to what they're called? Yeah, so I, I work off Apple, so I'm a bit of an Apple nut because I've really found that Apple is really good with the visual aids. So they have really good Zoom tech. It's like three fingers touching twice on the screen, you scroll up, and I, I find that really easy to maneuver. But Siri is also really good. I probably shouldn't say Siri too many times because my phone will probably start listening to me. But um, So I use Siri all the time. Like I'm really into my basketball. So I ask Siri like certain player statistics and what the games are doing all that kind of stuff because me typing in New York Knicks versus Chicago Bulls NBA school, that'll take me about 30 seconds where saying it three words a second will only take me about four seconds to say it to Siri. So it mm-hmm. cuts down that time for me to do that. So Siri's been great. But as I was saying before, I did my whole schooling in my university on an iPad. So I did a Bachelor of Journalism, minoring in creative writing and also Japanese because I thought it would be helpful for... um. For Tokyo, but with um creative writing, there's obviously a lot of reading, and we like some subjects you have to read books and books, and that's going to take me days and days. So, what I would do is I'd I'd copy, so like you know, copy and paste. I would copy and paste the document into my text to read, which is also how I read news bulletins. So I copy and paste that into that, and I can have the speed. So my talking speed would be like 1.3 times speed. That's how I like to listen to it and speak when I do my news reading. But when I'm reading a book, I'll just chuck it on two times and it's reading really fast so I can listen to that while I'm cooking. So just multitasking, that's how I kind of got to university. But with school, especially with math equations, the teacher writing big equations on the board and sitting at the front wasn't quite good enough for my eyesight. So I'd, I'd walk up in front of the whole class on the iPad and take a picture of the board and walk back. And I think my humour really helped with that because it's pretty funny seeing a kid walk up to the whiteboard and taking pictures. So I'd make a good joke of it. And we had a bit of, a bit of fun because the, te- the teacher always thought it was funny. So we'd pull a funny face in the background. So that was, it was always fun. I think it's really good when the teachers support you, the teacher aides support you. So the iPad was just fantastic for me and really I'd recommend it to anyone, any parent that is struggling with their kids' education and technology. I think 
the iPad's been great. I think Braille is really good, but and I think it may be a dying art. And I think voice to text and text to voice is going to be the future. So I think technology is the way the world's going. And I think we need to invest into more visual technologies onto the iPads and also Microsoft as well. Well, it sounds like you've really found, haven't let anything stop you from doing whatever you've wanted to do, have you? Well, you, you have to find a way where, where there's a will, there's a way. And mm. I do, like, I hope I, I make it sound easy, but it's, it's not easy. It's hard. Mm. It's trial and error. Like, so I obviously worked, worked on an iPad throughout for, what, the decade of schooling and, and undergraduate degrees that I've done. But then when I go into radio stations, iPads aren't compatible to the certain like editing softwares and certain softwares that the radio stations use. So I have to transition onto now a Surface Pro, which is what I'm working now because Microsoft, I can download all that kind of stuff that I need to do for editing and audio and all, all that kind of jargon. So I've had to relearn everything onto this, learn a new Zoom technology, new voice to text, and it's been hard. I've, I'm still my iPad's literally sitting to the right of me right now in case you guys need me to do something and I go, it's going to take me too long on the Surface Pro, so I'm going to go over to the iPad. So it's kind of, I'm, whenever I go into a station, I've got two computers, which I think is a bit cuckoo, but it helps me get the job done and that's all that matters at the end of the day. And what's next for you, Brayden? Where do you see yourself in the next few years? It's a big question. I think a lot of people have been asking me since I've gotten back from Tokyo, uh, what like gone for Paris and it's really it's a really hard question because I've I've just kind of got out of hotel quarantine. I was a little bit disappointed with my results over in Tokyo, but I've come to terms with it. Gotten home, seen all my loved ones, and I was like, oh, you're going to Paris? And I was like, oh, I've just kind of closed the chapter on Tokyo. Like I, I haven't thought that far ahead. But next year's Commonwealth Games, which I'm super super excited. The there's been no vision sports. Well, no, no vision swimming events at any Commonwealth Games before. So this is our first time, which I'm just super thrilled. I think as a kid, obviously the Olympics and Paralympics was the pinnacle, but I secretly did love the Commonwealth Games because Australia does so well and gets all the medals. And I think that's something I always loved as a kid. I think every kid wants to win a medal. So that's why I've been so drawn to Commonwealth Games. So that's what I'm really excited for next year. But that's in terms of swimming. But in terms of my career outside, I would just love to be working in the journalism industry, whether that's working at a radio station or doing a podcast at the university. I've, I had an idea of starting one, but then stopped and then was working somewhere else. And the university was thinking of doing a, a sporting podcast. I was like, oh, I could be interested in helping you guys out with that. So hopefully I can just be working in the industry. It's what I love doing and I love talking as hopefully you guys can tell. So I'm just really excited to keep it going. And anyway, you're going to have to learn French now. So how did the Japanese go in Tokyo? Yeah, so I, just, I just learned Japanese and then now, now it's over and I used like a little bit of it and now I've got to learn French. So maybe that's a reason not to go to Paris. We no. <laughs> oui, oui, baguette. I'm pretty close. <laughs> what advice would you give to parents? Like if they were starting out their journey, Braden, and um, that they found out that their child had um, something that was going to be a lifelong um, impact to them, like your um, cone dystrophy. Um, what would what advice would you give them about how to raise their kid? I think one thing is not be afraid to fail and don't be don't be disheartened or upset 
if like their child fails or like they fail, not so much fail their kid, but an idea that they had just doesn't work because everyone's different. There's no one one way to raise someone with a disability. Everyone's different. We can you can pick and choose certain things that work, but I'm sure as you guys you guys have experience, it's it's very different on every single kid that has a disability. So I think it's just trial and error, just finding the one thing that seems to work for them. I think that's that's one thing I, I give advice to. I'm working with a, a young blind girl at the moment and the mum's like, she's really good. She's really upfront with it, trying to get everything into Braille. But I, we, I sat down with her the other day and she's like, oh, should I do it? I'm like, oh, look, I think you're doing such a great job with the Braille thing. I love how you get all the books in Braille, but we're going into a, a technological world. So I think we really need to get get her onto the iPad and get her onto computers. And she's like, oh, she's doing touch typing. I'm like, yeah, that's really good. Like the touch typing is great. And that's something they need to learn. But like, I think getting her to go onto the iPad is going to be a really good idea because she's, she's in grade three at the moment. So she's still very, very young and early in her disability journey. But I think like giving her that advice was really handy. Oh, sorry, my cat has just been a pest. It's been really handy. So I think I'm going to go and help her and go into their place and teach a few things. So I think it's funny, good support network as well is also really handy. And there's plenty of support groups out out there. I'm sure you guys know plenty in your local area. So I I would get all all your listeners to write in, ask if you guys know any any support networks. I know plenty. Vision Australia is awesome for all things visual, which is obviously my realm. So they're, they're great. So support networks are great. Not being afraid to fail and just listen to your kids. See, see how, how they react to certain things. If they're really interested in trying something, I think listen to them because I know parents like to think that they know their kids the best out of everyone, but I think you know yourself better, no matter the age or severity of your disability, they know what works for them. I think really listening to them is going to be really, really helpful through their journey. Yeah, I think that's a really good point because we tend to just do everything for them and pretty much wrap them in cotton wool because we're so scared for them to go out on their own. But you are right. They need to, you just need to listen to what they want to do as well. I'm sure your mum didn't want you fighting those waves um, when you were a young boy. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's it. But I think that def- she's, she's slowly still coming to terms as a 23-year-old man. She still yeah. thinks the surf's too big, but I think she goes, look, he wouldn't go out and he'd come in if he was if he was seriously scared, which I do do from time to time because I go, that surf doesn't look too big. And I get out there, I'm like, this is very big. Let's turn around, Brayden. Okay. Well, um, this has been really exciting talking to you and um, and understanding your journey because I think you're a bit of a go-getter though, Brayden. Uh, you know, you're putting us to shame really. Um, and so, um, you know, we really thank thankful for your time and your advice and um you know chris and i are learning through this journey and talking to different people and you certainly gave us some hot tips about um about managing our you know our relationships with our own sons so um thanks so much no no dramas i think what you guys are doing is an awesome idea and i think it's gonna be really helpful for people who are in our situation so thanks to you guys really you don't need to thank me i'm helping you guys out to help even more people than that so thank you guys you guys are doing a great job Thanks, Brayden, and good luck in the Commonwealth Games. We'll be rooting for you. Awesome. Thank you very much. Fingers crossed I can get on that podium. I'm sick of coming forth. Oh, you will. That's the plan. Awesome. (laughs) Thank you, guys. All the best. Bye. 
Ya. Thanks for being part of the Loop Me In community today and joining our conversation on raising children with disabilities. Join us for the next episode on some of your favorite platforms like Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If you would like to support us, please recommend the Loop Me In podcast to your network of parents, carers, and providers. If you would like us to cover a topic or invite a guest to chat, please email us at contact at loop-me-in.com.au or go to our website at loop-me-in.com.au. If you've got any feedback, please let us know so we can improve and cover issues you want. And of course, if anything in the podcast today has raised concerns for you, you can contact Beyond Blue on 1300 4636 or Lifeline on 13 